Welcome to another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. I know we want to get into the action, but I have to ask that you help me armor us up a bit for the bumpy road ahead. Because I bring you the first hour of this show without unrelated ad nonsense as a proof of concept. And if you value it, then come over to THC Plus for the $8 a month and hear the full two-hour interviews as they were designed to be and as you would enjoy them most. Go to thehiresidechats.com or just click the link in the show notes to get started and within a minute you'll be plugging in your new Plus Show RSS feed into a hopefully decentralized podcasting 2.0 supported app. Feed the things you want to grow and starve the things that gotta go and we will reach the promised land. Think about that and enjoy the show. In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Fireside Chats. Well, another day, another deep dive into this weird world from sunny San Diego. I'm Greg Carlwood. And we've all heard things like any sufficiently advanced technology can appear to be magic. And we know that the deep state, deep corporate nexus is probably ahead by 50 to 100 years technologically compared to what society sees. We sometimes wonder if the physics-defying crafts in the sky are ours or something we've even halfway been able to reverse engineer. Tens of thousands of people have stories of being harassed and gang-stalked with advanced frequency weapons. And one might even say that the technology that actually took down the Twin Towers still seems a bit mysterious when you really look at it. There's a lot going on, and it's actually pretty hard to say how far down the technological track the technocrats actually are. We now hear stories of quantum computers, geoengineering, voice-to-skull technologies, and even brain-computer interfaces. But we have no idea how often these things are in use, or what they're really capable of. The culture shapers certainly seem to be pushing us down a path many aren't even aware we're on. Those who study the furthest edges of these technologies are doubted and mocked. And soon we might even wake up with a world around us that's been so thoroughly altered by advanced technology that we couldn't even go back if we wanted to. So it seems that we should always keep an eye on this space, and one of the most dependable watchers of the planet's puppet masters and their technocratic toys is the great Elana Freeland. She was here once before in 2017 in a THC episode titled The Space Fence, Planetary Lockdown, and the Ionized Sky, which certainly sounds to me now like she was way ahead of the curve. And now she's completed the third book in what turned out to be a geoengineering trilogy of the highest order. There was Chemtrails, Harp, and the full-spectrum dominance of planet Earth released in 2014, Under the Ionized Sky from Chemtrails to the Space Fence Lockdown in 2018, and now Geoengineered Transhumanism, how the environment has been weaponized by chemicals, electromagnetics, and nanotechnology for synthetic biology, which should be out by the end of the month and looks to be backordered already. For many years, Alana has been a writer, ghostwriter, lecturer, storyteller, and teacher who researches and writes on deep state issues, including the stories of survivors of MKUltra ritual abuse and invasive electromagnetic weapons. 
Her undergraduate degree was in creative writing with a second major in biology, and her Master of Arts degree from St. John's College specializes in historiography. It's certainly a pleasure to have her back, the transhumanist technology teacher, geoengineering educator, and thorn in the side of the big machine, Ilana, welcome back to the higher side. Well, Greg, that was a great introduction. <laughs> I'll have to keep that because it's probably the best I've heard in a long time. Wow. So good. You covered all the topics that geoengineering has something to do with. Yes, not an easy task because you cast such a wide net over so many areas. So I appreciate that acknowledgement. It's all in a day's work for me. <laughs> but this is going to be really interesting. I appreciate you coming back. I know you're in high demand, and I wanted to get a new interview with you while I could. And this marks one of the very rare times that I haven't read the book first because it seems like it's been delayed a little bit. But I think you know your stuff really well, so you probably won't even need me to tell people about it. Oh, no, no. I No, I'm so grateful that you're – and I forgot, you're one of the few – interviewers who actually reads the books before I come on. That's so rare. That is so rare. So yes, it's delayed. You know, I actually started this book two and a half years ago. I knew that I needed to go somewhere toward synthetic biology. And I already had enough material from notes and files that I started in. And then the COVID-19 lockdown happened. I saw the Wuhan footage. I realized what was going on. And then I have delayed the book again and again and again because so much breaking information required me to listen to so much video. I mean, in a way, I'm a much faster reader than watching long videos of people. But I had to do that because it was such breaking news every day. And then finally, I had it figured out and was able to stop writing. That's, of course, you know, that's one of writer's moments of realization that am I done? Am I done? Am I done? <laughs> and I realized, yes, I am done. And I have figured it out to the best of my ability. And the book, are you ready for this, is weighing in at 688 pages oh. with 60 illustrations. <laughs> and I left Feral House. They were the ones who did the first two books, did a great job on those books. They were always very kind to me. But I felt that I had a large enough fan base that I could go off on my own and maybe make a few pennies more on each book. Mm. So that's what I'm doing. And that's another reason for the delays is that I'm me, myself and I are working on this and having to put it together. It is at the point now where I'm doing the final look over of the formatting by a fabulous formatter I found before submitting it to the Ingram Spark Distribution Company. And so I'm so happy that it's turned out really great. And it's an investment for people because it's basically a handbook that people need to understand how large the picture is and how far the technology has moved into our bodies and our brains. That's the important part. You know, when I did the other two books, yeah, I talked a little bit about that, 
but I mainly was building a picture of the huge geoengineered structure, the electromagnetic chemical structure that was over us and, and also throwing in what the nanotechnology was doing in it. So it was a big environmental picture. And now I'm taking the first hundred pages of the book to again talk about the environment, again talk about the geoengineered. I was just yesterday, Greg, if you haven't heard it, you really need to hear it. Clifford Carnicum was interviewed yesterday by Dr. Andy Kaufman, mm. and it's a really good interview. Clifford hardly, you know, we're still good friends. He hardly ever does interviews. And what he was saying was so heart-wrenching because he's been saying it for decades, two decades, which is that the atmosphere and planet Earth have been utterly changed. And now I can say that from my research, based on Clifford's early research, that the human being is being now changed. And a lot of it's happening through the environment. Strangely enough, most people don't even think of that. But because we've been inhaling and ingesting some of the items being delivered so that we would breathe them in and ingest them as groundwork for what is going on now with this so-called vaccination, which is actually gene alteration. We've been engaged in this, I guess I have to call it an operation, for over two decades. Absolute silence by the corporate mainstream media, absolute silence due to the National Security Act of 1947. So, you know, to put all this together, I have that kind of mind that likes to see where all the pieces fit. And I know very, very well that the devil hides in the details. So reading my books is a tour de force in itself because of all the footnotes, et cetera. But these books are written for laymen and they are science books. But in this book, I go even further than I did in the last two. It's not just endless technology. It's also I'm bringing in some esoteric aspects that I have learned from Rudolf Steiner, from various things I've read over the years by people who can do a new type of thinking, a type of thinking that is not just abstract as though you're in grad school, but is actually something that has the spirit in it, the part that defines the human being best, uh, not just the physiological components and the naming of all the different organs and the functions and all of those things that we love to do, but that you can really look at it from a different angle and see what it has to do with the higher self of the human being, those things that make us more than a slab of meat here for a few decades. And I spend quite a bit of time on that. I also make no bones about it that there is criminal activity, that we have departed from our legal structure, that the technocrats have pretty much taken over illegitimately 
while the people are being entertained and have their fancy iPhones and all of their gear that they like for comfort and convenience, we've been taken advantage of. And now, suddenly, the huge shocking event of the last year and a half, people are waking up to what the technocrats had in mind all along. And that's the story that I actually tell. I start out from geoengineering and when what's going on planetarily and around the planet, all the way through the second part of the book is about the smart city and the smart hospitals that are no longer to be trusted because of the technology and the intent behind this use of the technology, what the military calls dual use technology, meaning the military can use it and its civilian as well. And then going to part three of the book, where I really discuss the genetics and, of course, this latest operation that we're, un- we're still undergoing. So that's kind of the span of the book and why such a large topic takes almost 700 pages to tell the story so that people can really just do a bit here and there whenever they wish. And my hope is that people would get together as communities or as groups of friends to actually read it together aloud and discuss it at a pace that's, uh, you know, not rapid like watching a video or anything like that, but is a process, a real human process of seeing what they can glean from it for the survival of the human race, actually, is why I've worked so hard and as quickly as I can. Yes, yes. Well, Pretty high stakes, and I'm sure it will have an impact. It's 680 pages I look forward to getting into. And just to read the description from the book, it says, Geoengineered transhumanism completes the picture of what geoengineering has been from its very inception decades ago, to control the ionosphere with phased array heater blasts so as to maintain an ionized atmosphere in which chemicals, nanotechnology, and symbio synergies can be continuously laid by jets, drones, and rockets in the name of, quote, climate change. Thus, the groundwork for the synthetic biology neural network inside Human 1.0 began by manipulating the macroenvironment upon which our extraordinary interior microenvironment depends. The air we breathe, the soil we grow on our food— The water we must replenish all have been commandeered by biotech and big pharma for human 2.0 transhumanism. And man, that's just a mouthful right there. And it does go on to talk about vaccinations and brain computer interfaces. But I wanted to ask you about human 2.0. Help people wrap their minds around what that is. How would we define human 2.0 and their plans to get us there? I think the doctor, the young doctor who has spent the most time on this and utilizes this human 1.0, human 2.0 paradigm is Dr. Carrie Madej. And she has done many video interviews in which she speaks very forthrightly about her concern that humanity is being changed genetically now 
certainly through what has come before this so-called vaccination program going on now. But we really have to understand that what is human, I mean, really, I don't meet many people, Greg, who really understand what humanity is, what being human is. We tend to think of it as the way that our media leads us. And that would include our movies and television. And of course, a lot of networks who put up these things and producers of film are interested in creating dramas so that people will pay good money to go and have a lot of sensations. They're not really interested in meaning and in presenting human beings in a favorable light. It's much more about shoot them up, particularly in America. I mean, I really like detective stories. I read them when I have time before bed, and then I like films of them. And even, I don't have a television. I've never owned one. I don't own an iPhone either. These are weapon systems to me. But I do own a computer. It's a weapon system I have to own as a writer and a researcher. But when I'm watching uh, detective stories, what I love about them, and I normally just watch European ones because they're not obsessed with guns and violence. They're actually trying to think through the crime rather than the American version, which it tends to be over-the-top reaction response stuff. What I love about detective stories is that they're looking for something that after the body has been removed, the weapon is not there, the crime is over, but now they're looking around. The detective goes into wherever the crime happened and starts looking at details, details, details. This is what I do. This is exactly what I do and how I do it. I'm looking for patterns in amongst a lot of detail. So for me, the key to writing about things that I did not go to school for, but you know, you don't, I think a lot of people feel pretty hopeless about understanding technology because they think that you need to go and get a PhD in order to know something about the technology. Of course, that is not true. Only Americans now think that. It used to be in the 19th and 20th century, there were a lot of individuals who had a good innate native intelligence and were able to go and do research and do a lot of experiments in order to see what parts of the research were true, and they did not have degrees. And I think it's important for people to take up that their ability to concentrate on what someone like me, I mean, I'm just a lay person. A master's degree is almost like a high school degree when you're talking big bucks and career in any type of university subject. But to really take it up and start looking at it, question, maybe go and research a couple of things, and begin to understand that you can find pleasure in getting involved in this 
sort of research because truthfully, a crime has been committed. In fact, multiple crimes have been committed. And it's important, even if it never comes to court, if the courts are fixed, if the judges are being paid off, if they're parts of secret societies and they are told what to do, it doesn't matter because to me, the truth is the truth. And to bring the truth out into the light of day is always something that will further our cause as human beings, as individual human beings, as collective human beings. So that's why I feel strongly that to really pursue the truth, when you live in an era of so many lies, and they tend to be corporate lies and leader lies, so that it trickles, you know, the trickle-down effect is really not just economic. It's also that people think, oh, well, you know, if the leaders are all crooks and all lying to us, then what does it matter what I do? Right. And this is the tragedy of our nation now. Certainly in the U.S., I think other countries have the same thing because the media has taken over everywhere in the world. And now, you know, the cell phones are being given away in outbacks of Africa and, and other continents. So it's not wasted energy is what I'm saying. And for me, obviously, I'm not working for money and I'm not working for a career. I'm working as a public service to people who want to wake up, who want to understand what time they've been born into and what the challenges of this time are. Every era has its challenges. And this one, I mean, I too am tempted to say we have never stood at this juncture. I think history has been repeated many times. In certainly being a historian, I've gone far, far, far back, all the way to archaeology, anthropology, etc. And I think that we may never have been here at this juncture where so many people are controlled in their minds by media. And I don't mean the content of media. I don't mean what the show is about or the news item of the day. No, I'm talking about the technology. I have a portion of the book, the second part of the book, I go pretty deeply in a short manner into a lot of different types of technology that you will find in your home, in your offices, in hospitals, etc. And to show how they are dual use, how they can be used to control. And take an example is the television. I keep telling people to throw their TV out, and I'm deadly serious, because the technology of the new plasma screens and the HDs is really complete surveillance and absolute mind control, brain interference with frequencies that target living life forms in the living room, in the house. I'm absolutely serious. And this technology simply cannot be trusted at all. It's not just the programming. It's not what it was before with subliminals, even, you know, trying to get people to buy Coca-Cola kind of thing. It's not about that. 
it's very deep and invasive right in your own home and you will not feel it at all. And then if you turn the TV off, it doesn't matter. All of that is still on. It's still on even if you can't see it. So we're living in an era in which a lot of things are invisible to us, a lot of processes, a lot of technologies and how they work. It's all invisible. It's all a bit sophisticated, perhaps, particularly for people who didn't like science in high school. But it must be reckoned with for the sake of our children, our grandchildren. We can't wait for the experts. I don't know if everybody's noticed, but the experts seem to have greatly been bought off or afraid of losing their careers or afraid perhaps they've been threatened. Mm -hmm. Perhaps their families have been threatened. So we can't wait for the experts to come and bail us out here. Right. We really have to start the effort as a collective humanity to learn about the technology. And people say to me again and again, but what can we do now? What can we do now? Well, that's the American trait, isn't it? It's almost as if we say, if I can't do anything now, then I feel hopeless and I'll get depressed. It's not about protesting in the streets. It's not about forming groups necessarily. All those things can be done. But what I'm talking about is where you really get hold of your mind before it's completely taken by the technology you are not studying. And if you study it, yes, it will be depressing at first to realize that, you know, all these TV shows you love or whatever it is, your iPhone, that they are actually being used as weapon systems against you. It's depressing. You'll get over it. Yes. <laughs> I got over it. I got over it. You know? Well, Yes, it it is a lot we're dealing with. And I, too, sometimes wonder how bad the problems with the smartphones have to get before people actually consider getting rid of them. It's like no one even considers the possibility that maybe I can live the rest of my life without it. But it is interesting that you brought up Dr. Carrie Madej because I was going to ask you about this. Obviously, you can really go down the rabbit hole and hear all sorts of claims about these technologies and these shots, and they're really hard to vet because we've never seen anything like this. And I've heard you mention Dr. Carrie Madej before, and she is quite popular with the alternative crowd. And the latest thing I've heard from her is this, where she says, looking at the Moderna vial under the microscope, there was one particular organism that had tentacles coming off of it, and it was able to lift itself up off the glass slide. It appeared to be self-aware or able to grow or move in space, which is pretty far out. But you also mentioned Rudolf Steiner, and there was a time when he even talked about something like this coming in the future, saying... Humanity will have to dwell together with these ghastly mineral plant-like spiders. People will have to seek their future progress and cosmic evolution in the evolutionary stream that this spider brood will then assume. And man, for an intuitive mind like Steiner to say something like that a hundred years ago, I just would have thought that we would have a tough time making sense of such a thing. But here we are, and as far out as it is, there are some threads that connect. What do you think about this idea of some kind of tentacled 
self-aware organism in the vaccines. It feels like there's so many people looking at these vials that, I don't know, more people should be talking about this. What's actually in those vials that worries you that isn't being talked about? Well, the vials are, they're injecting into human bodies. We know, I assume we all know, that this is a grand experiment. This is a huge, I mean, how much bigger could it get? And there is this immediacy to it, as you notice, the pushing, the pushing for people to be vaccinated. But what's going into us as a species is definitely genetic, and it is altering our human genome. There is no question about that. Whether it's the first jab, the second, or the third, or the tenth, I don't know. But I know that that's one of the things that's happening. The human being's body and relationship with its soul. And that's where Steiner came in very strongly. And I think the first two doctors to mention that were Dr. Tom Cowan and Dr. Dietrich Klinghart. Both of them referenced Rudolf Steiner 100 years ago saying that a vaccine would be created which would immediately take over and blot out any thought as to the spiritual part of being human. So that's part of what's going on. There's no question. The other thing that's going on is different gain-of-function creatures made perhaps from treating virus or treating bacteria in certain ways, with certain solutions, with certain electromagnetic heat and cold, with nanotechnology. These are being implanted in people where they go dormant as they wait and anticipate a 5G, 6G zap, in a way, that will call them forth to do whatever they've been programmed to do. And these are what, there's a patent that I name in the book. It's a very good patent to read. It's about the creation of inorganic life forms. Now, inorganic and life sound like an oxymoron, right? Because we tend to think of life as organic and inorganic as perhaps the mineral realm or something. But this says that they are creating inorganic life forms. All right, that's part of what's going on genetically. And those are being put in bodies as well. And when Dr. Madej and then other people, I think the doctor from South Africa also was looking at certain discs that she found in the sample of a vaccine in a vial. You can see that for one thing, let me clear something up. There is not one batch of each of these pharmaceutical corporations. There's not one batch. They have multiple batches and they are distributing these batches 
to varying nations, peoples, ethnic groups, gender groups, age groups, you name it. They have it very, just as the Nazis did in the 30s and 40s, they are very organized to keep extremely close records of this. And as you know, since we all went through the graphene oxide shock of seeing what graphene oxide really does in the body, that's shocking enough when you see that video. But to know that it's in the vaccinations, the so-called vaccinations, they're not really vaccinations, that people are being tracked who have the jabs in order to make these records very thorough because they are experimenting on millions of people. Let's get that straight. I mean, it's fantastic, Greg, how they can keep that division line in a so-called open society between the people who know this and are doing their own research and people who are watching their televisions tell them what to believe and listening to news that is completely filled with lies while they say that the other side, the, as you called us, alternative community, <laughs> they're accusing us of what they're doing. So it's incredibly clever and so unfortunate, so unfortunate that people have gone this far to trust their technology without, I guess, the ability to discern, and you mentioned that too, of how, who do you believe? to have lost the ability to discern when someone is telling the truth and when you encounter someone who maybe they don't have all the truth, maybe they're in a process. I certainly am in a process of learning. But you look in their eyes, you look in their face, and you know this is a good person. I don't need CNN to tell me that. I don't need to go to a church or a temple in order to learn how to discern when someone is good and trying to tell me the truth. Right. It's that the media has amazingly, and it's, I'm telling you, it's through the technology, not just the programming that they're spitting out. The media has usurped the place of people's discernment and this is a very big problem. This is the big problem. And I, what can I say after all these years? I mean, I've been on this path for how long? Well, my whole life. I came of age in the 60s. We all knew that the CIA had been involved in killing John Kennedy. We all knew that the military-industrial complex that President Eisenhower warned us of was gobbling up the best of America. And some of us took a route to just, oh, well, that's the way it is. I'm just going to see, you know, how much money I can make and what I can make of my life, while others of us were bothered by it mm -hmm. and kept researching and researching and never, never quite settling in to the deception and the lies and the subterfuge of the CIA running pretty much the American government. So, the problem today is 
that this split in us, and of course, divide and conquer works very well, has for thousands of years in human culture. This could be resolved if people would only take back their discernment. But here's the question. Can they take back their discernment and still keep their technology? Mm. I don't think so. Right. I don't think they can. At least the cell phone and the TV have to go. Well, I know that is painful for people to hear, but I do think it's true. And you're right. Discernment is in short supply. Let's hone in on the nanoparticles that are in the air, water, and food. This digitization of the natural environment. This is something that I think this audience is open to. But where is the smoking gun evidence where we can say, look, here's this stuff in the air or the water, and it's not supposed to be there. If it is ubiquitous, it should also be detectable. Advise people on how to detect these particulates or just how to prove these things to our friends and family because they need to be confronted with the evidence and that seems to be in short supply. Where should they go to get it? Well, I mean, (laughs) Greg, we haven't known how electricity works since we were flipping on the switch back in the 19th century. Fair. I mean, you're talking invisible technologies now. And invisible technologies, the nanotech is not exactly like electricity, but it has elements of the quantum world. That's my own term, the quantum world. But the quantum mechanics, if you know anything, and you know, I'm opening in a way another can of worms here, and I'm not going to go very far into it, so people don't need to get scared. Quantum means that it's sort of not in this world. I think the first time we saw this was the Heisenberg principle, which was when Heisenberg and others realized that with certain processes going on in labs and the measurements of those processes, that actually by having a human consciousness near what you were measuring, it would turn out differently all the time. Right. And this was like, what? How could this be? We're measuring. Stay where you are. But what the quantum physics has shown us is that whatever is going on in this universe is actually a process. It's not a thing. And we're very good in the West at naming things, at measuring them. But there are certain parts of the reality that we're faced with which are invisible. And that's where someone like Rudolf Steiner, whom I consider to be the best in this area, where you're looking at what he calls sense-free thinking. And he sees thinking, a lot of people see thinking as, oh, well, I need to stop and get a quart of milk on my way home. Well, that's not the thinking he's talking about. That's not even really thinking. Thinking is a spiritual activity, he says. And if you talk to the quantum people who also are dealing, in a sense, with the spiritual realm that is unseen and sort of embedded in this reality that we all call real, it's the sense-free thinking is what you have to do in order to figure out the laws of the realms you can't see. 
And the West has been quite good at this. And now it appears, to me anyway, after having spent two and a half years writing this book, that they've gotten very good at some things. And you said at the beginning of the show that some people say they're 50 to 100 years ahead of anything we know about. Well, I would say that that seems to be true regarding biology, because they have been able to shift molecular biology to digital biology. They are actually creating a gain of function, weaponized bacteria, virus, etc., by computer, mm-hmm. because they have the frequency. And you can measure the frequency very well, generally, not always but generally because of that Heisenberg thing. Right. All right. So now that I've said all that, I'll get back to your question. What do I say to people about the nanotechnology? I say that I read a couple of books on it and discovered that, you know, it was basically invented or discovered, I think is the better word, discovered as something that could be turn to a scientific and therefore military pursuit in 1970s when Eric Drexler, the so-called founder, was in grad school and had kind of figured out how it worked. And what he wanted, he had this great idea. You know, he was idealistic, or at least the books I read indicated he was, that if we could take atoms and lay them side by side at varying maybe five atoms, maybe 500, whatever it is, we would be able to make these nanoparticles, not the natural nanoparticles that are in the universe. There's a lot of, you know, there's dusty plasma up there. There's a lot of very, very tiny, because a nanoparticle is one millionth of a meter. That's how tiny it is but you would take nanos and you would you would build them with atoms so by building them with atoms now you're right up against the beginning of the quantum realms the parallel dimensions mm. and how many parallel dimensions have been discovered well at least 26 how many do you and i think we have four <laughs> right no there are 26 have been discovered in physics, and that's typical, but I think it's many more. Yeah. I think there are many, many dimensions. So when you're talking about nanotechnology, they're right up by the quantum level. So they're, you start building them with atoms, and the more you build them and the more nanoparticles you've built, you'll see a consciousness in them. They actually swarm together. They are a collective in a way, like a collective being. And they also self-replicate very quickly. And you know, you've heard that these so-called vaccines, these inoculations, these vials are filled with nanoparticles, filled with it. I mean, massive, massive, trillions, trillions. And they are getting into the body, into the blood, and they are reproducing. Mm. Not reproducing in a sexual way. Replicating is the better word. Right. So, okay, that's nanotechnology. Now, 
how can I prove that to people? Well, I have only one proof I can offer because otherwise you're going to have to think side by side with me in that sense-free thinking in order to understand this invisible realm. And I don't feel apologetic about that. There's a lot of things. I mean, what about radio waves? I can't see those either, but I can see the effects of them. And so we have to stop whining and complaining about not being able to see these things and feeling, oh, well, you know, there's nothing I can do. Well, that's not true. You can find out how they work and you develop, and I have developed it. I can feel the nano bots moving in my body from time to time. I have them. You have them. We all have them. Clifford Carnicom told us that at least 15 years ago. Hmm. But because you can't go to a doctor and have them removed or take a drug and they all die, you know, it's not like a parasite. And these are very tiny. Most doctors you go to, they don't know anything about nanotechnology. Right. So the nanos are something that we have to come to terms with. And that's what I'm getting known for saying is that, okay, if they have a, oh, and I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you the one visual thing I'll give you. All right. When we had the fires in California, the Paradise Fire, Jamie Lee, a videographer, very, very active guy down in California, right in Santa Rosa, right in that area. He did about a hundred videos regarding those fires because he realized they were made with geoengineering. They were triggered on the ground already after two decades of the jets flying and dropping all sorts of nanoparticles on us along with everything else. Those nanoparticles, many of which were aluminum, all had fallen into the soil, certainly in drought-infested California, and that drought is not natural either. There is no natural weather anymore, to tell you the truth, Greg. Mm -hmm. It's all engineered. It's all engineered. I agree. And let me ask you this, because you mentioned bringing in the esoteric aspects in this new book, and you mentioned a few things there. I have heard you talk about AI in very provocative ways where it sounds more like a demonic spirit than some digital software, that the elite are finding people who are willing to let these intelligences take them over to some degree, like as if the foot soldiers of the elite are already in this category of being like a demonic walk-in of some kind, and maybe there's some demonic force driving this technology that we call AI, we say it's a artificial intelligence, but it might be a otherworldly intelligence that just uses the computer or the AI to express itself. What do you think about that? Oh, you're taking me way, way away from what I was talking about. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I'm okay. trying to jam that into the first hour because so many more people will hear that portion. And so I definitely wanted to give them a little bit about that. All right, so I don't know if you've seen the pretty famous or infamous little video clip of Jordy Rose. Jordy is, was the chief technology officer at D-Wave Computer. Mm -hmm. And D-Wave is produced up in British Columbia and is a quantum computer. And what that means is it's not only intelligent, but maybe it's even self-reflective. 
So when Jordy was talking about his adoration of this great discovery that they have there at D-Wave, he was addressing an audience, I don't know who it was, but he said that when he stands beside the D-Wave computer, and it looks remarkably like that, <laughs> that monolith that's floating around in the universe from 2001. Remember a space odyssey right, back in black cube. Well, not a cube. It's a rectangle, but it definitely reminded me of that picture that we received in that film in the late sixties, a long time ago. I mean, how far back does pre-programming go? <laughs> so um, Jordy then says, that when he's standing beside it, the D-wave, he feels like he's standing at the altar to an alien god. And he wasn't laughing. It was not a joke. And then another time he was talking, he talks about how, see, he knows that CERN has a D-wave computer. He knows that, you know, a lot of people, Lockheed Martin has a D-wave. Google has a D-Wave. All the big boys, not all the military, almost all the military has the D-Wave, but some have chosen other computers. All right, so Jordy knows that the CERN D-Wave, he must know something about what's going on because, you know, there are lots of rumors. And in the last book, I don't know if you read that one, but I have the chapter entitled The Temple of CERN. And I talk about the rituals that go on at CERN and a lot of esoteric information about that. So then Jordy says, we're bringing in the old ones. And, uh, <laughs> okay, old ones, let's see now. That is back with H.P. Lovecraft, as I recall. And he's talking about the old ones. They are pretty ugly, but they are like ugly gods mm -hmm. with a small g. So yes, there is something going on that is extremely esoteric. And of course, everyone's been convinced that it's all hooey, that, you know, it's uh, only conspiracy theorists talk about that and poo-poo this and poo-poo that. And they're missing the point. And of course, this makes the elites very happy that they have, within, what, three generations, not only destroyed Christianity in America, which they despise, by the way, and will take over churches wherever they can and satanize them, not sanitize them, satanize them, but they have their own idea of what they want this world to be used for and to whom this world should belong and continue to belong. So yes, this is a drama going on underneath the drama that's going on now. And now and then people will sort of wake up a little bit and go, what, what, what? Like this blood condition you're talking about, or actually you're not talking about the blood, you're talking about what's in the serums. Mm -hmm. These creatures, yes, welcome to not just immoral, but amoral science. 
where if you can do it, go ahead and go for it. As Alistair Crowley liked to say it, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And that's what America, in its love of so-called freedom, I don't know what kind of freedom people think freedom is, but the freedom I know about is something that one has to be very responsible for. It's not whoopee, and let's see what happens, and we'll fix it later. So, yeah, there is this demonic, you can call it demonic, I don't care what word is used. To me, here's how it works. You abandon your humanity. And what do I mean by humanity? You still have a head and two arms and two legs. You're not abandoning that. But you abandon a certain sensibility in the human soul. And there is a soul, a psyche, if you don't like the religious word soul. It doesn't matter to me. But you have this innate capacity, which is utterly human. It's not from a frog. It's not from an angel. It's not from a god. It's utterly human. You have this capacity to be a human being. And then you're born into this world where you're going to have to deal with whatever's going on in your family, whatever is going on in your community, whatever's going on in your gender, your culture, your race. All these things you have to come to some degree of knowledge and peace with. And it's a lot. It's a lot for humans to be born into this world and take on all of these levels that they have to find a way to edify their humanity, to learn more about being human, to learn about what it is to have a lot of human beings around who aren't at all like you, who maybe have very dark sides. And when these scientists and these doctors and whoever go into science, I think they have to grapple with the power that science could give them. And I think that they don't realize when they're first going in to med school or into graduate school, they don't realize there are dark forces working through people who are there who are watching them and who are going to see if there's a weakness, if there's a way to bring this person on board to some of the agendas that the dark forces have against humanity. They don't realize that and they get caught. And once they get caught, then some of them really like it. And, you know, the rituals and the child murders and the drinking blood and all that terrible stuff, they get caught. And now they have to do what they're told. Perhaps they join a brotherhood. Perhaps it seems very benign. And then slowly, as they're in there a longer time, then other things start to manifest and unfold. And so that's kind of how it works. And when you make a vacuum in your psyche, your soul, whatever you want to call it, of your humanity, something will fill it. As you know, nature abhors a vacuum. And (laughs) there will be an entity because this world is loaded with entities we cannot see. They are everywhere. And some of them are benign and some of them are just sort of 
like big molecules and some of them are, you know, Wilhelm Reich used to take photographs of them. They're like sky beings. They're made of plasma. They have a very thin plasma body. Uh, yes. There's a lot going on here. A lot going on. And fortunate for us so that we can concentrate on learning how to be a real human being, we don't see a lot of it. And that threshold has been purposely closed to us. But what is happening now is these scientists are chipping away at that threshold because they want they want what's on the other side, they think. And so we who are just regular people going to work, paying the mortgage, having a few kids, we're waking up pretty late. I mean, I've been awake for a long time, but not to this particular science. I didn't know about this before I started studying it and realizing, oh my gosh, they're changing molecular biology to digital biology. And that simply means they can run everything electromagnetically through Wi-Fi. They can run people's brains. They can change their genetics. They can give them diseases. You name it. It can mm -hmm. be done that way now. I'm not using the future tense here. It's now. It's already here. So, yes, there is evil in the world. Dorothy, you know, <laughs> right? But if you retain your humanity, which is very real, we are a, an amazing species. We have been on a path of evolving here on planet Earth in material bodies, in living material lives, as Madonna sang in the 80s. We have a lot of challenges. And what we do affects our humanity in toto, everybody. It's not just you who opts out, who, you know, smokes a lot of pot, drinks a lot of alcohol, looks at very sketchy things on the internet. You know, it's not just about you. It's about all of us. It's about all of us and that yes. retaining your humanity. Well said. Well said. That's very true. And the full paradigm and structure of reality, many people just don't even recognize it. So it's hard to understand the game if you don't even have the right game board. And that seems to be the situation. Before we go, I was also going to ask you about the potential for any other brave researchers that you respect that we might also want to highlight for people in these troubled times, lights in the darkness, ways to follow up on the overall thesis here. What do you think? What are some of the, who are some of the other people that you uh, stand arm in arm with? Oh, well, I mentioned that Andrew Kaufman had done that interview with Clifford Carnicum. Very good. I hope you'll see that. That was just yesterday. And I did have an idea. Someone I really like is Michael Hoffman. Michael Hoffman wrote a book in 2001 called Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare. And it's a short book with lots of pictures. And what he's trying to do is, is to show people how symbols and what is known as twilight language is affecting people and trying to control them. And now 
20 years later, he's come out with another book, and it's called Twilight Language. And I'm actually reading it right now. I think he's very good verbally. He's an excellent writer. He's conservative. And yet, here he is talking about the CIA and and all the secrets that have gone on, the Freemasons, etc. I think knowing about this realm of the subconscious, where our subconscious is being manipulated by many of the elite who belong to secret societies and know how to do this, I think that that's very important to break through those barriers to our subconscious so that we can be more unified and not be so conditioned to think only of intellectual things and numbers and measurements and things. I, that would be one of my recommendations. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, right on. Alana, great to talk to you again. This book seems so dense and heavy and interesting. I am excited to get my hands on it. As we're wrapping this up, remind listeners where to get this book, because I believe it is quite limited where they can get it, and maybe any other platforms they can follow you on and keep up to date on what you're doing. Well, they will be able to get it probably through the distributorship of the Ingram Spark people I'm going to go through by going to their bookstores. But right now, the pre-order is at about 300 people. And that is through the Rudolf Steiner Bookstore in Seattle. They can find it on the net, Rudolf Steiner Bookstore. And there's even a a special place for this book. And that book will be available, I think, by the end of the month. I mean, I think I'm going to be submitting it for publication by this Friday or at the very outset by Monday. Wow. Very exciting. Yep. Having a baby takes a long time, I'm finding. <laughs> oh, that's funny because I have a baby due any day now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Just a funny terminology to use. And um, <laughs> man, this has definitely been a lot of fun. I mean, sad, but interesting to learn about. And I appreciate your work and dedication, I guess. I'll say cheers to the great crossover. Happy to be here with you and keep fighting the good fight. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Greg. You got it. Have a good one. And boom goes the dynamite people. See, I told her she didn't really need me. But man, she certainly knows her wheelhouse well, and part of me was disappointed that this one fell right before the baby was born because I knew it wouldn't come out for a few weeks. And in that time, she'd be doing the rounds, and now we look like we're late to the game. But I still thought she got into a lot of interesting stuff, and now that her book has arrived, I can say, damn, she is not kidding. It is up there with the thickest books on my shelf, which would be David Icke's The Trigger and Chris Bennett's Lieber 420. I guess for a visual reference, it's maybe even a little bit thicker than a new package of computer paper. Well, I mean, it is thicker, because I have one right here. But this pack is 500 pages, and her book is, like she said, just under 700. It is a whopper for sure. If I had the book in advance, I think I could have pulled out some really obscure stuff to ask about, but I don't even have the most open schedule right now anyway, so I guess it worked out. 
I'm glad we could talk about the stranger stuff in the COVID shots conspiracy conversation. I did try to get at some of the hard evidence, the smoking gun stuff, and that's probably where I could have used the book the most, because I would have pulled out some compelling evidence. But anyway, I wanted to get this one out. I know we're behind schedule when it comes to releasing shows, so I just gotta keep chugging along. I'm certainly not behind when it comes to recording interviews, so they should be coming at you pretty quick for the next week and a half. Part of the holdup is that I wanted to have new stuff to say about the site or higher side meetups, and I have some stuff to say. Let's start with meetups. We got several new ones on the books now. This weekend, November 19th, the Liquid Planet meetup in Missoula, Montana. December 4th, looking for our friends in Brazil. Also December 4th, the LA Anti-Vaxmas Party at Gilligan's Irish Pub. December 17th, we got one at Dick's Primal Burger in Portland, Oregon. January 8th, Joe Moe's Chaos Brewings of the Mines, Chaos Brewing in Joplin, Missouri. One I wish I could attend. Raleigh, North Carolina on January 9th. Denver on January 19th. And Nashville on January 28th. So things are happening, people. Networks are being formed as I speak. Get out there. Meet the others. I hope to see more people finding each other through THC, sharing local resources with each other, making more good times in this dark timeline. It's a beautiful thing. Hiresidemeetups.com. Just make a quick username and password, and you can set up your own events or RSVP to events that are near you. It's helpful to do that to give the host a heads up as to who might show up. So. Don't be shy. It's a fun way to spend a day and not stress about what you want to say. As for the website, we've gotten great feedback on the new player. It is so easy to use and lightning fast responsive. We had a slight hiccup where it wasn't working well on Firefox. Well, that's fixed. We had some requests to bring back the volume adjuster, which we did for PC. So you can now adjust the podcast volume separate from your notifications and all that. Of course, phones don't do that but it does play through the lock screen of your phone and it really couldn't be much better. And another great new addition for Plus members is that you can now timestamp a place in the episode in the comments section. This is pretty awesome. If you want to refer to a certain point, if you've ever done that on YouTube, it is two digits for the hour, colon, two for the minutes, colon, two for the seconds. And if you do that, it automatically creates a link. You click on that link and the show episode starts playing from that moment. So if you have a Plus membership and you've never really used the website, pull it up on your mobile browser. Check out the easy-to-use player. Get in those comments. And you can have some high-level digital conversations if you can't make it to one of the meetups. See, I'm trying to do these outside-of-the-box things that make it easier for you guys to connect and get more out of these interviews. And I hope you appreciate it. It hasn't been cheap. And the last piece of that website puzzle is the new Netflix-style display and a vastly improved search functionality. The Netflix-style display is in place now. I think we have a little ways to go with formatting, but you get the idea. I started us off with a few well-rounded genres. Aliens and Otherworldly Entities, Big Pharma, Solutions, and The Magical Toolbox. So you'll see shows in the archive laid out by topic, and I think that's really useful too. 
Again, I think we're gonna tweak the formatting because I think it's a little bit busy, but things are displaying appropriately now. So help me help you and sign up for THC Plus. Get the full two hour interviews that I do, bonus stuff, store discounts, and an opportunity to engage with your brethren. In today's show with Alana, the second hour got into different vials doing different things, nanoparticulate detox protocol, the philosophy and religion that drive the elite, the next stage of the game, what Ilana learned from Rudolf Steiner, hope in our times, the importance of the polar areas for this work and Operation Deep Freeze 2021, as well as the strangeness of plasma. So treat yourself, it makes a huge difference in my life. You get deeper and richer parts of the THC interviews and I can keep putting money into improvements and new features and side projects like the Higher Side Meetups. But I'm trying to keep it tight. Thanks for listening. You're all the best. We will overcome and I'll see you next time. Your move, synthetic biology scientists, technocratic tyrants, and humanity 2.0 traders. Your fucking... Oh no, you see, the world isn't random, it's attached to puppet strings, control over everything, the nine to five is trying to steal ya, now don't that job seem silly, hello, can you hear me? Or should I play back recordings from some spy agency? Wish we were younger and free. I'll be thankful when it's all exposed. The vast conspiracy, there's such a difference between us and the dead. It's no secret.